Good afternoon, Brian. How are you guys doing? I've got a little bit of a cold, so I'm going to struggle through it, but I'll do everything I do. I'll give you everything I've got like I do every other day. So <laughs> I apologize for my uh, my voice, but I'll give it everything I have. Well, so thanks thank for you. checking it out. We're, we're honored Mike, to have you. Mike, on to you. All right. Very good. Hi, Brian. Welcome. Hey, Mike. Congratulations on your announcement yesterday. That's great news for all of us spreading the word and expanding the exposure and awareness for uh, racing. So thank, thank you. Thank you very much. We think it's going to be great <clears> for the entire industry. So uh, look forward to talking more about it in the future. But uh, uh, you're the one in the fire here this morning, so to speak. So uh, let's uh, let's get moving here. I got a few questions and I'm sure you'll say a few things that uh, intrigue me on the side. Uh, what's changed about promoting races in the past five years? it's changed a lot in the last five years. Uh, it, I've talked about the cycle of, of innovation and changing in the sport and it, it's accelerating at, a, at an amazing pace right now. You know, what we used to do 10 years ago changed five years ago and what we did five years ago changed three. And now if you're not changing everything every 12 to 18 months, you're behind the, behind the eight ball again. So really uh, you know, we, the, the, the path that we're on now started a de over a decade ago when we started creating the direct relationship with the customers and trying to consolidate a database related to all the people that are the fans and creating that direct connection through the ticketing systems and through an email so that you can have a real dialogue with your customers as opposed to getting caught up in a lot of the noise that we may, may have all heard here this past week with Cyber Monday. This is just a lot of noise going on. So the more, uh, valid and meaningful communication you can have with your customers, the more successful you're going to be. So this, this journey started a long time ago for us as we started creating the ticketing system and the events teams at World Racing Group and, and working to create a consolidated uh, message to the fans. Oh, a little bit, Doo -doo -doo. I'll take you outside in a little bit. Okay? I'm sorry. So <laughs> I, I, we got a little bit of side noise there, but, uh, but so it really started back then and now it's the evolution uh, of over the last few years with the awareness through Dirt Vision. It really was still in its infancy when you think about where we were in 2017 and 18, really only having a, you know two channels. And, and then what COVID allowed us to do, you know, despite all of this, uh, this uh, uh, disruption in the world uh, creates opportunities and it really accelerated the adoption of the streaming uh, services and the internet connectivity. So uh, the, the promotion now has to be radically different than it was even three or to five years ago it has to be very targeted. You know, again, less is more in a lot of situations where if you're communicating meaningfully with your customer, they're going to pay attention to what you send them. So we want to be on the top of mind with all the social media, uh, and with the awareness created through Dura Vision, including the free pieces of it, the promotion, the YouTube, but also with very concise uh, delivery of messaging for the events. So the promotions become very, very touch point. And then how do you create an event that, that, uh, you know, does the fans want to bring their friends to and continue to grow the, the uh, fan base organically that way too. So it's a lot of, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of different things. You look at it now and you're looking at the being outlaw program and the, the reward program and encouraging people to come back sign in when you get there, scan in and, and be a part of something a little bit bigger than just being a fan at a, at a facility that 
you know, you're enjoying some racing, but being part of a community and that, that promotion part of, of what we're doing is working quite well too. You touched on a bunch of different things there that I have questions targeted to. Uh, you mentioned Dirt Vision. How has streaming video changed short track racing and the promotion of it and just the, the organization in general? You know, uh, for all those years, uh, we desired live TV. And uh, we always tried to fit our racing into the requirements and constraints of live TV. And it was very challenging and really didn't represent the sport very well. So over, what streaming has allowed us to do is adapt live TV to our sport. And if you could do that in a successful way, you can put a pretty compelling piece of entertainment uh, and make it available to a lot more consumers than we're ever available to, to we were able to make it available to. So streaming has a lot of opportunity to create awareness, but it's also has an opportunity to spread, you know, the good and the bad if you're not careful with how we do this. So we've been very careful to, with Dirt Vision, to expand at a pace that was manageable by us so we could manage the production and manage the, the pieces related to how the world sees the sport. And we see it as a tremendous opportunity to create awareness outside of what we're doing. And uh, over the last few years has been a, you know, the technology has come to us, has allowed us to adapt uh, the way we communicate through video, uh, not only through the consumers that are not at the track, but consumers that are at the track via the video uh, and some of the, the technology that we're bringing to our racetracks too, so that the fans at the track experience all of the things that are happening other than what they can see on the racetrack. So the work area pieces, the story from the pits, you know, talking to the drivers, the different pieces. So it's an integrated package you're trying to create, but Dirt Vision has allowed us to expand that. But primarily the expansion of the awareness is what we're seeing right now and the growth of the sport is the awareness campaign. And it's, it's our job to make sure we put something that's on that screen that draws them to an event. The key, again, for our entire business model is to bring people to the racetrack. And our vision is just another one of the tools that's available to us. And then when we leave on a Friday night and drive 200 miles overnight to a Saturday night, the guys that if they enjoy the show Friday night, maybe they'll get a chance to watch it if they can't drive down the road with us. So that's something that's never been available uh, you know, five years ago really wasn't available for every night of racing. And now we're doing it 450 nights a year on Dirt Vision uh, for all of our properties. It's it's pretty tremendous way to stay engaged with the race fan. Talk a little bit about how streaming video has changed the competition, not on the racetrack, but, uh, you know, in the marketplace. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the streaming, uh, we, we, we bought Dirt Vision in 2003. Uh, as part of our, uh, uh, when we bought Dirt Motorsports from Glenn Donnelly. So Dirt Vision has been around for a long, long time. We've been nurturing it to the, to the point where, you know, in 2011, we had, I don't know, 16 shows or 17 shows. It was, we're like, people don't remember all those pieces. In the last few years, that technology has become available to everybody. And everybody can, there's a lot of streaming services. And the competition related to not only the streaming service and the consumer and who's doing what, are you buying an annual pass or a monthly pass? Are you buying a pay-per-view? The whole, whole marketplace has changed and changed again the last few years. You used to do pay-per-view and then you do a subscription for a late model or a sprint car. No, you got to be available as much as you can. But it also creates a dynamic that there's a lot of series that have a lot of awareness right now. 
and and it's creating a you know there's a lot of racing created to feed that desire to stream and the question is is that great is that that's good for the streaming but is it good for the whole marketplace and how do you you know the the fans in your particular region are still only going to get paid every other friday or however they're getting paid so the you know, the balancing act of bringing in a lot more racing has got to be done real carefully. You know, if you look at our calendar over the last decade, our calendar has not been moving around a whole lot. We actually have, have declined some of the peripheral races to try to focus on the destination type of an event. But there's a lot of opportunity to create racing when sometimes racing doesn't make a lot of sense. And you got to be cautious on how we do that because it does have an effect long term on how people perceive the whole balance of racing. And that's something that we take very seriously in how we try to do that. I could race another 100, you know, we could race, put another 20, 20 nights of racing on our program and any one of them. And we've chosen actually to not do that uh, in a way that makes the best sense for the whole balance of our racing ecosystem. Yeah, so it sounds like the, one of the questions I had was, uh, do you think there's too much racing now? Or we're on the, we are on the verge of there possibly being too much? Well, you know, we were we were blessed in COVID. We were one of the first sort of outdoor big sporting events that could come back because of the of the nature of what we were doing and there were big participation pieces and the and the the grandstands. There's a lot of racing right now, and you know the supply chain issues are are serious. But you know they're not. We're doing a lot of racing. There's a lots of pieces, and you know for for me, I never really would have thought that'd be from a globe because we with the dirt car pieces and all the weekly programs there has to be a balancing here and uh you know growth growth its entirety is is spectacular it's it's good the awareness but it has to grow on all facets you have to grow the fan base you have to grow the sponsors you have to grow the commitments you have to make sure the teams the team ecosystems are good you can't you can't uh you know you can't take and focus on one piece of it that piece may prosper for a little while, but if it gets out of balance, uh, some correction has to happen. And uh, it happens in all markets, whether it be housing or the stock market or whatever, you know, it'll, it'll find its spot. I just want to make sure that, you know, over the course of the last 20 years, it's ebbed and flowed through 2008 and 2012 and 13 different scenarios and 20 could have been catastrophic. And for many people it was, but for racing, it actually brought us a, a new set of fans. And the good thing for all of us is we've been able to retain them. The question is now, based on the fans we, we brought in in 2020, what's and the economic confusion that's happening right now, what, what can be sustainable going forward 23 and beyond and making sure that that works for as many people as possible. So growth. So uh, question, also- the question I didn't answer, is there too much racing right now? As a guy who likes racing, it's hard to say ever there's too much racing. It's just we want to make sure we're having good races at the right time with right places, right venues, and and don't confuse some race fans as to who's going to be there and what's going to happen. Because as soon as they have a, a bad taste in their mouth, you have a chance to, to bring a new fan in and you 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 send them away right away. It's not a good thing. Right, correct. With the growth of the sport, though, sometimes there are challenges that come along with that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk, uh, scuttlebutt, uh, rumor, whatever you have it, gossip, uh, message room garbage. But, you know, that uh, right now there's a lot of teams and drivers out there politicking for a bigger piece of the pie and wanting membership rules and all kinds of other crazy stuff. What is your stance on all of that? 
Well, all that's hard to define, but yeah, there's a, I, I, I've said it before, I don't fault anybody for wanting more. And the, the particularly talking about at the higher levels of what we're doing with the sprint cars and the lay models, uh, you know, our, our entire job is to create more. And, and, and I've said it for two decades to make as many livings as possible around racing for everybody. And, uh, and, you know, the teams have desired more forever. You know, they've desired a lot of things along the way. They want to travel less. They want uh, weekends, big destinations. They want to do different things. They're tired of California in the spring. Uh, different. I'm hearing, you know, these are just different snippets from all the conversations I've had. Uh, but wanting more is is natural for all of us. So the key is how to manage that in and how do you do it without disrupting it uh, uh, beyond what's what should be done. So for, for us, you know, a lot of it comes in, you brought up a, a roundabout way, the exclusivity that the world of outlaws is as, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's Ted was established in 1978 and it's been that way from the beginning and it gives us some allure to what we're doing. Uh, does the current model still justify that kind of it? And, and, and candidly, we've been thinking about this for a couple of years. Uh, because we could see it kind of coming, which is why we've been aggressive in increasing the amount of bonus money and the different pieces as it relates to compensating the teams for their exclusivity. And that's really what it is. These teams can go do whatever they want to go do, but I compensate them to, to, to be a part of the world of outlaws. And we'll continue to do that and we'll do it as best we possibly can. And that's been, uh, you know, but it has to be in a, in a balance that makes sense. It has to be in a way that you know, it is sustainable, not only from a, from a sanctioning body perspective, from a racetrack perspective and, and the teams and the drivers and all the other people, you know, the sponsors have to be considered, the fans have to be considered and uh, taking a holistic view is what's happened over the last 20 years and trying to get us and really getting us to where we are, which is in a really, really, really good spot. So deviating from that, it's hard, hard to get to a point where you deviate too much from that. Is there room to deviate some? Probably a little bit. But you have to do it very carefully because there's a lot of people that have a lot invested in a lot of big events, not only World Racing Group, but a lot of our tracks and promoters and, and figuring out how to bring anything else in, is, it does have an effect. There's a balancing act. There's only so many paychecks and so many fans and so many sponsors and so many other pieces. So are you making sure you get all of those pieces to balance it in? And we think about that, take that very seriously, actually. You talked about the loving racing and and you'd always like to race more well you do a little bit of that yourself and uh how does that help you keep up with what's going on in, in the sport you know it's a it's it's great you know i uh i've always loved the racing i've been i've been going to the race the dirt track since 1974 when my dad and I, my brother and i would do that on friday nights and i didn't really get into a car until late in life so i don't really have much expectation for uh, for me to do anything other than to go out there and play, but it does ground me related to, I know, I know uh, expense related to the fuel prices that have gone up and blowing the motor on a Friday and trying to get a motor recertified in order to go racing the next Friday and different pieces of those. So it, it does bring me, you know, a, a perspective, you know, for my, for my world and trying to manage all of the pieces, the broader broader perspective I can have, the better chance I have of making a good decision. So as it relates to a sanctioning body, sponsors, a track owner, a renting a lot of racetracks, uh, a, a weekly sanctioning body, a regional sanctioning body, a national sanctioning bodies, 
and then getting in the race car, not only in a sprint car or a late model or a street stock helps me broaden my perspective. And I hope that that gets us all a better chance of me making better decisions. And, and I think it has over the years. And again, it gives me a chance to, to be at one with those guys. And, and, and for me, can really have a chance to have a little fun at the racetrack. Cause sometimes most of the time for me at a racetrack is work anymore. And now I can go back and have fun every now and then. And that's a good thing for my psyche too. So for sure. We all spend a lot of time talking about the world of outlaws, late models and the world of outlaws, sprint cars and, and, and all of those guys. But how many racers fall under the dirt car banner? Uh, a, a tremendous amount of, of racers, you racers know, like yourself, you know, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands. So, you know, when you, we sanction 15 different classes, a lot of different touring series. Um, we have, uh, you know, we're in 37 different states, uh, 225 outlaw style national events, 5,000 with our flag flying everywhere else. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot larger, uh, organization and a lot larger footprint than most people realize. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see it, but again, it's that understanding of how it has to build up from the bottom up from the weekly racers to the weekly tracks to how important that that ecosystem is alive and well in each region and understanding that so that we can actually have a chance of bringing in a big race and entertaining about a bunch of race fans and making all that work and then you know it's it's a uh, we have a lot of reach and touch and we have uh, over 100 uh, sponsor uh companies that see the value in that we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of race fans that see the value in that and uh more and more impressions now today than we ever have the people that are casually looking at the sport that 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 are becoming aware of all that yeah and and uh when they introduced you at the beginning of this they they uh, gave you responsibility for uh single-handedly making the world of outlaws what it is but uh you know, when, when you guys took over the world of outlaws, you had a very small staff and how, counting dirt car and everything else. Now, how many, approximately how many people are working there? So, yeah, when we bought the world of outlaws, Ted had seven employees uh, and we have over 80 full-time employees right now uh, on all aspects of the business from the dirt car, to the super dirt car series, to the summer nationals, to, to, to uh, world of outlaws, dirt vision. So there's 80 full-time employees. At any particular point in the summertime, we could be another hundred more than that as it goes up, you know, when we get to go racing up and down uh, in June, July, it gets pretty crazy. So uh, we have 80 full-time employees now uh, to manage the organization, to do the promotion, to interact with race fans, and then to make sure that we have the, the best schedule, the safest uh, procedures we can, and, and uh, the infrastructure it takes to run a racing organization like this. So 80. So here we it's are. Different than most people believe. Yeah, for sure. So here we are. It's the quote unquote off season. <laughs> sure. So what is the biggest challenge to you and your team? Is it the 10th month, 10 month racing season or the two months in between? You know, <clears throat> it's really October and November the hardest because we're trying to wrap up a season and promote our largest shows of the year with uh, all the things we do with the uh, uh, super dirt week and world finals and world short track 
and we're booking all the shows for next year. We've already announced our calendar for the lay model program for next year for the world model sprint cars are already announced. Um, so all those things are overlapped on top of that, right? When we get back from Charlotte, if we can beat most of our neighbors here in NASCAR land with all of our 47 trucks and trailers, if we get everything back into, into service before they get back from Phoenix or from Homestead or wherever they are racing. So we, it's a October, November, pretty tough around here. And then, uh, but having the schedules done allow us to focus now on getting a lot of the other pieces pulled in place. Uh, we've got a great list of all of our sponsors. We've got our sponsors renewed for next year. Uh, we've got some great announcements coming next week at uh, uh, for some new sponsors, some new, new manufacturers and new uh, big sponsors coming into the world of Outlaws world. So we're really happy about that. So tease everybody that's coming up next week. Love to have announced them this week, just not quite done yet on all of the uh, all of the details, but some big things coming for next week. Uh, so uh, we race tonight at Volusia. We race tomorrow night at Volusia. So with sprint cars and lay malls tonight and, and lay malls tomorrow, and we're going to take a couple of weeks off. And on January the 17th, the World of Outlaws season starts again. And uh, we're racing some sprint car stuff between the Sunshine Nationals and Dirt Car Nationals, and then we hit it running. So it's a, there's no stopping there's no stopping. I don't know what we do with ourselves, really. We, I guess I'd probably, based on the way my body is right now, I could probably use a couple more days off. But, but I got a great team. It takes all 80 of us. Over the last uh, 28, 19 years of doing this, I've had great uh, team members help me get to where I'm at. So the idea of me masterminding this is a, is a bit far-fetched because I got 80 people here that I rely on doing this. And with that many events, it's clear I can't possibly be at a, even a sliver of a fraction of them all. So it's my team that have been with me decades that I really am very most proud of where we are today. Is there anything in the in the dirt track racing world that uh, there might be the next trend of the future? Something that's coming that I <clears> on this call today haven't seen yet? No, you know, trend for dirt racing you know uh we're we're we want to be different than everybody else and we we throw ideas at it we throw a lot of ideas at it along the way you know our fan engagement pieces have been the biggest investment that we more racing groups made over the last either through our team of people through the through the presentation at the track the the pit reporting and the fan the fan engagement pieces the video boards uh, we've got a brand new trailer sitting out front. I can see it from my window getting ready to roll out. It'll be a ticketing, uh, ticketing uh, windows. I'll have video boards and a PA system for some music and stuff that'll be start. We'll start traveling and, and adapting to some of our, our World Outlaw events. Uh, we're dabbling with the idea of bringing out some uh, of our own connectivity, maybe making a Wi-Fi available at some of our events to see if the fans will engage in that way so that, so that the fans can can better engage with their community while they're at the racetrack, hoping to bring their community to the racetrack. So there's some, a lot of those things that that uh, we're just watching. There's a lot of lot of great ideas in all of them, all of sports, not just motorsports, to try to engage with race fans. But the idea of what we've been able to do with the Dervision and the video streaming and the the availability of the, that technology in your hand all the time. Uh, free on video on demand. I mean, all of, all of Dirt Vision is free on demand after the fact, uh, not live, but free. Go, go and take a look. You can watch racing all year. Uh, uh, from that perspective, you know, I, I foresee us burning fossil fuel for a long time uh, at the dirt track. 
So I'm not really seeing anything coming that direction. I'm sure there'll be some pressure somewhere along the way, uh, but uh, in the in the grand scheme of things, I'm pretty happy with the direction we're going right now. And the key is just to keep it in balance. Make sure the fans don't get too confused as to where to go race, you know, to see races and see their favorite drivers, and continue to grow the awareness, and then adapt at the pace that the world it requires us to adapt to, which means uh, you know the, the attention spans continue to de decrease. Make sure the program's short, concise, that we're entertaining people, that they can connect to the people that are important to us. You know, the one thing we didn't even talk about was the new video games and how to bring in the youngsters. And now we got a console game and the real simulation. And, and that's bringing in a whole new crowd and another revenue stream for even the drivers for that. So that's that's good for us uh, and creates a, you know, we rolled out the midgets and we've got the micros and we're doing more stuff for the development program, keeping the stream of youngsters coming through. Life's pretty good right now. I'm not going to change a whole lot. Is the racing, dirt track racing in general, better than it's ever been? You know, I would have to say, wise. yes, it, it, it is better than it's ever been. We still fight all the same things that we fight. We've been fighting for the last, you know, the engines are too expensive, which they're expensive. You know, uh, the, you know, the arrow on cars, we got to continue to fight. You got to make things as safe as we can possibly make it because the last thing we need is something catastrophic happening at one of our events. So, but all in all, that when you look at, if you look at the highest level of our racing, we have more, you know, there's not a lot of guys winning 25 shows or 20 shows or spread out the parity. You don't really know who's going to race. It's hard to put a format together that, you know, you got <clears throat> the cars are as powerful as they've ever been. They're as attached to the race track as they've ever been with shock packages and everything pieces. So the best thing you can do is make sure that and people are going to spend every dollar they have or want to against racing. So you just got to make sure that those dollars don't show up on the racetrack, you know, that they can spend them, but you know, the, the racing is still good. Uh, you know, hopefully the, the dollar spender against their uh, making their lives easier in the pit area or making some reliability pieces, um, but that it doesn't show up in these radical changes in performance and managing those out of the business. Cause that does hurt us in the long run. We don't need these cars any faster. We, we just need to put it on a good entertaining product and let the put on a show where the, the guy who's got the best car, who's got the best driver, has a chance of winning every night. And if we do that, then we're going to serve the sport well going forward. I, and I think I answered the question. Sports in as good a spot as it's ever been with awareness and participation. And I'd love to have you know more and more people participate, but it's really up to us as track promoters and sanctioning bodies to make that available to them. For sure. I think your voice made it through to the end. <coughs> sorry again, Mike, I'm sorry. I said, I think your voice made it through to the end. I just about made it through. Uh, I'm going to go grab a, a nice cup of hot chocolate and see if I can get it fired back up. So, <laughs> but thank you guys for having us out here. Thank you, Brian. You do a brilliant job with that series. And, uh, and uh, no, thank you for fighting that uh, code and being with us today. And uh, it was very important to have the world of Outlaw represented in this Registering on ePARTRADE is easy. To start, click on the Join for Free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then, choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. 
If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a new company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose Register a new company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select Supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose Racing Business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose Race Team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then, enter your company name. Please provide a website, Facebook page, or LinkedIn if you have one, and choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Finally, click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePartrade.